Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome in to the new PFF NFL Daily. Here's a recent snippet from the PFF NFL podcast. Okay, so when I was um, doing my mock draft on Monday, I, I reached this point in the first round where I'm like, I don't like any pick from here on in. Like, I, I, there's nobody I want to pick. I think there's like 20 players maybe that you want in the first round. And after that, you're like, you got to pick somebody, right? You would ideally in a, in, a, in a dream world, you'd love to trade down, but that requires somebody wanting to trade up and they have the same problem. So I sort of found myself looking at a bunch of these teams towards the bottom of the first round, the teams that are involved in this arms race right now to become Super Bowl contenders. The Chiefs are already obviously there. The Bengals trying to get over the hump. The Bills trying to get over the hump. All these teams that are trying to knock off Kansas City. And you're like, they are prime spots to me to trade down if they could. But if they can, look to trade up into that teens range and sort of target a guy that's just not going to last until their pick but they have the roster where they can go aggressive and start attacking these positions so the the trade i ended up making was kansas city jumping up uh to 23 i think to grab um darnell Wright and play right tackle but it occurred to me that there's this world now where i think a lot of these teams at the end of the first round could actually be quite aggressive and proactive and potentially trade up so i was curious on your take for players that would be targets for that, like players that teams would be looking to trade up to get in the first round, which is usually like the, the, the taboo. That's not what you do. You don't mm -hmm. trade up in the first round for a non-quarterback. Yeah, so I think there's two two realms. There are two different uh, aspects of this. One is I think the scarce positions are ones that you'll see teams trade up for. And it's just like they're going to trade up for the last one in a group. And so I think offensive tackle, it would very much surprise me if someone doesn't move up for one of these offensive tackles because you have Skaronsky, you got Paris Johnson, Broderick Jones, Darnell Wright, and then that might be it in terms of tackles people feel good about in the first round. I like Anton Harrison too in the first round range. Maybe not everyone does. But you could see a team towards the back end of the first round, maybe say the Bengals, and they really want an offensive tackle. They really need that. You know, you really, Darnell Wright's like on the board at 20, and you think maybe one of the teams there is going to pick him if he falls a little bit more. I could see very well one of those teams, the back end, Buffalo, Cincinnati, moving up for one of the tackles, maybe the last tackle that's on the board. That's one guy. I think then the other flip side of that, the other you know, people that you trade up for are unique skill sets, right. guys with who maybe can't replicate what they bring to the table in this class that other guys can't. And so that, to me, is someone like a Jackson Smith Jigba at wide receiver. He is like a ready-made NFL slot receiver that tomorrow will make an impact for your roster, right? There's not a lot of day one starters, high-end starters in this draft class of receiver. He's one. And so that, that, to me, could force someone's hand to move up for. And I feel similarly about Dalton Kincaid. Day one, Ooh. impact, tight end receiver. You want that in your offense? Good luck finding it any, anywhere else in this draft. 
After that, I could also see someone moving up for one of the defensive tackles like Kalaj Kansi, where if you want juice at the three-tech position, and now uh, Tommy Adabari is in this class too, Northwestern DT has it as well, but like not not the way Kansi does on a football field. Not He doesn't play the same way that Kansi does. So that's just another skill set that's unique enough that you just you just won't find second, third, fourth round if you don't get it in the first. The other thing I think that that prompts those trades sometimes is once a guy starts to slide, like the unexpected slide that you're not necessarily anticipating, a team all of a sudden goes, "Oh wow, we didn't we didn't expect to be in the range of even this being a possibility." So I kind of wonder, you know, Jalen Carter being an obvious potential slide candidate given his offseason so far, but like the closer we get to the draft, the more you're hearing Will Anderson might not be the best uh edge rusher on boards come on i don't think like i think it's crazy but that one the whole oh my gosh i know he's a friend of the program but the the, (laughs) chris sims having him fifth almost gave me an aneurysm yeah we've already ripped his edge rusher rankings yesterday chris sims is being particularly chris sims this offseason with his rankings he's that's out there i will say though so i went there looking yesterday i i pulled out the the top two edge rushers that have been drafted in every draft since 2016, right? Mm-hmm. And just added them to an ultimate filter along with the top three or four guys this year. And obviously, you're obviously folding in all the sort of elite guy prospects like Miles Garrett, Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, Chase Young. But you're also bringing in a bunch of guys, um, Derek Barnett, uh, who were the other ones? Um, Jalen Phillips, Pay. Yeah, Jalen Phillips, Pay, Cleveland Farrell. Um, a bunch of guys <laughs> like that, the ones that haven't haven't necessarily bombed, yeah. but haven't been good NFL players, really. And mm-hmm. most of them, like their their best season in college, in terms of PFF grade, in terms of pressure rate as well, peaked above where Anderson has ever got to. So Anderson's peaked, you know, the high 80s, reasonable pressure rate, or password win weight, actually, I was using. Um, but most of those guys, like... Cleveland Farrell got his best season was a 90. Derek Barnett had two seasons with a 90 plus grade. Um, Quiddy Pay had had a couple of really good seasons in there. Like almost all of them, their best year. Shaq Lawson, I think, was one of those guys as well. Yeah, probably. Um, but like their best season got better than than Will Anderson. Now, I think it's not apples for apples. Like he had some things working against him that probably artificially depressed his grade a little bit, but. I, I can see a world where you at least back away from the idea that he is a true, you know, blue chip, elite edge rushing prospect. Now, where I struggle is how far can you drop that in this draft where the comparisons are Tyree Wilson, Nolan Smith, like, you know. Yeah, that's it's like in this draft and and sure, I can I can see a world where, you, where you're maybe a little down on Will Anderson, but the production thing you were just talking about. Still better than, still better grade than Tyree Wilson. Still right. better grade than Will Anderson. Uh, excuse me, uh, Nolan Smith. Uh, Will McDonald. Oh, saying Will Anderson. Will McDonald. Uh, still a better grade than who was the third guy I had above him? Lucas Van Ness. Like it's in this class, he still is the top graded one right. as a pass rusher, and, and he was playing out of a, you know, four tech a lot last year, more so more than he did at any point in his career, and that's just like objectively not. Who he is. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. So, like, honestly, you can make 
<laughs> the argument that everybody tried to make last year for Trayvon Walker actually applies a little bit to Will Anderson. Like they did not necessarily throw him in the best position to put up monster numbers and be just a pure <clears throat> edge rushing prospect. And if they did, maybe he's in that category with the the Bosa's and those other guys. Um, but I, yeah, I was going to say, whereas like the Bosa, like the Ohio State edge guys over the years were put yes on you know one on ones, just go attack on the outside. That was you know, why they look so good and obviously why they got so good at rushing the passers because they were basically just rushing the way teams rush in the NFL, knowing that, hey, just like you got to get to the quarterback. We can't just scheme Russia, <laughs> you know, like a lot of teams do in college. It's also hilarious, by the way, just how gaslit everybody got with the Trayvon Walker talk last year. Like you see this when you draw it up this way and you look at basically the entire careers, like even these guys that are not good in the NFL – had like a 90-plus pass rushing grade season somewhere in college. And then you've got Trayvon Walker with his just consistent 65 every year. And it's like, what were we even doing talking about this guy as like the number one pick in the draft? It's madness. Well, I, I mean, he is athletically yes. in a tier that like, doesn't exist. Agreed. Um, and that's what you're buying into. But but I do think the most damning thing was – or the, the the worst argument was that it's like, oh, that's Georgia's defense. Yes. Did you see Jalen Carter last year? You know, like that—that that was just Georgia's defense that they didn't want to rush the passer. It's like, did you see Jalen Carter last year? Um, did you see who was the edge rusher who, uh, sadly, was is not even in the NFL anymore? Never mind. I'm blanking on his name, but like they—that guy's producing. It was not just the scheme. Yeah. Like the, there were guys in that D line who were getting after it. It just was kind of. You could just say it like Trayvon was behind the learning curve. That's fine thing. to say. We like, don't have to make too many excuses for it. If you wanted to make the argument that, oh, he's the freakiest athlete we've ever seen, therefore I don't care what his production was, we'll figure it out. That's fine. But the argument that everybody was making of, oh, we like the Georgia defense just isn't it's it's forcing him to do something that isn't letting him, you know, succeed at the next level. That was always ridiculous. <laughs> and you could see that. Yeah. comparing him to players in that defense you can see it comparing to basically everybody in this list as well that was kind of crazy but anyway my, my original point with all this is i can kind of see a world where anderson slips a little bit if there's a couple of teams that that dislike that um i could see a world where devin witherspoon slips a little bit you know i think a lot of people have him as cornerback number one but the teams that covet other people at cornerback number one so gonzalez in particular like the things that would make you worry about Witherspoon on his tape, independent of the one year thing, would be like, is he that great an athlete? Like, can he really hang at this level against <clears throat> legit NFL people? And if you're in that questioning world, you're not going to have him in the top 10. You might have him sliding into the middle of the first round somewhere. Yeah, I, I do, though, think the Lions trading Jeffrey Okuda away was a little bit of a signal in my eyes that they might be going cornerback at number six. Yeah. And, you know, like, obviously, you're, you never say, you never pigeonhole yourself this early on, uh, you know, because if, like, Bryce Young falls to you, you're probably going to draft Bryce Young. Sure. But I do think they made that trade knowing that they have corners they like in this draft. And Witherspoon, if you just watch this tape, watch what the Lions do, there's just – the fit makes too much sense. So I'd be surprised – like, I'd put the odds pretty heavily on him being picked six right now uh, if the board plays out chalky to start. One more name to throw at you. What if okay. teams traded up for B. John Robinson? Oh, my gosh. I mean... Because here's the thing, right? There's 
there are a lot of people talking about, does he go number eight to Atlanta? Does he go number 10 to Philadelphia? If he doesn't go there, you have this. And then the teams that make a lot of sense are the ones towards the back end of the first round. Dallas, Cincinnati, a ton of teams in the late 20s. But that kind of middle world of the teens doesn't make a lot of sense for him to go to a lot of those spots necessarily. And yet those teams that we talked about, the aggressive teams wanting to go over the top, could they could they tempt themselves into this is the best player in the draft and he's available at pick number 16. I just don't see. I, I don't think <laughs> in today's day and age it's going to happen. Now, the Browns back in 2012 traded up to draft Trent Richardson number three overall. So it's not unprecedented that teams will make dumb decisions. But I, I just giving up more draft capital for running back in this running back class, I, I just... I don't see it. I don't see it. In this economy? I can't get on board with that. Yeah.